Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 76 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, 411mania.com, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or the podcasting platform of your choice. Joining me as usual usual is Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you this evening, buddy? I'm half blind, but I'm alive, and so that's always a good sign. Oh, the eye thing, yeah, that's Yeah, I have uh, AIDS of the eye or something like that. Well, that's that's (laughs) not good. Uh, I'll be alright, I... I can see a little bit. Don't need to see to watch wrestling, right? Maybe an AEW referee in a tag team match. Sure. <laughs> Why not? They don't. They don't see half the shit that goes on. They've gotten better about it ever since Chris Jericho called a meeting and was like, "You fuckers need to get things together." Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, so it's our usual AEW NXT show, but. First, Jeremy, we're going to talk about just a a little bit of news that happened this week. We don't always get a chance to do that, and I thought it'd be a nice little change. First of all, uh, big news of the week here. The New Day has signed a new WWE deal, five years apiece at the same time. Uh, First of all, any surprises to this? Uh, No, I didn't didn't think the New Day were going anywhere anyway um wwe's in contract signing season right now it seems like every week someone's signing a new three five year deal whatever uh i guess it's a little surprising that they all decided we're gonna take the same money but it shows some some solidarity there i don't know what the money is i'm sure it's fantastic considering all they do for the company but yeah i didn't i didn't think the new day were ever going to leave so not surprising at all I didn't think so either. Uh, I know a lot of people. That's the reason I asked. I saw a lot of people that were seemingly really, really shocked by this. Yeah, I, when when Kofi said that, you know, oh, I signed a, a new five year deal because he he made the announcement on the podcast, and then a day later it was announced that Biggie and Xavier made the uh, did the same five year deals. People were like, oh, gonna stay there and get buried for another five years, like. This dude just had the best year of his career this year. Okay, he lost to Brock in eight seconds, but otherwise, like, name me another superstar who was as protected and and utilized as well as Kofi from, I mean, January to uh, October. And, I mean, he's even a tag team champion right now. Like, aside from the Brock loss, Kofi has been, and yeah, it took some backstage whatever shenanigans, Ali getting hurt, Brian going to bat for him, but... On screen, Kofi has been just – he's had the best year of his career in the New Day. They they can do whatever they want in that company too. So I don't know why people were surprised or they think that Kofi's going to be buried for the next five years or any of these guys are going to be buried for the next five years. Yeah, I mean these guys are over. They sell a shit ton of merch for the company. And as you kind of brought up, they also do a lot of things outside the company as, as far as promotional work and all that stuff. So, obviously, on WWE's part, very smart to lock them up. And New Day, I mean, you know, hey, apparently they are very happy working together. And that goes a long way. And like you said, too, I'm sure the money is great. Because, I mean, no offense, but, like, if fucking J-Brones, like, Jinder and Mojo are getting 500 grand, I mean, 
you know, I'm sure New Day is getting paid well. Plus, they're gonna, they have all that merch money and stuff. Uh, not surprised at all, especially in terms of Kofi, because again, to as you, to your point, he just came off of a great year. And the fact is, I mean, let's let's not like uh, paint it with like roses and shit. I mean, Kofi's getting older; he's in his late thirties. WWE is going to be there. It's always going to be there. They have so much money with these TV deals. Sure. Maybe, maybe in the back of his mind, he's thinking, maybe I could go to AEW, maybe I could do something. But then also in the back of his mind, he's going, I have a wife and what, three kids? And AEW, I mean, God bless it, it could end next year. You don't know. You just don't know. So he's staying with his friends. He seems really happy. He's probably getting paid well. No surprise to me at all. I was just... I was surprised by the people that were actually really surprised about it. I just, I didn't think there was a big rumor or groundswell that these guys were going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know when their contracts were, were up either. So usually we we know this stuff like when contracts are, are up and then you hear the, oh, we could be going to this place. Like when, when AJ's contract or Randy Orton, I mean, Randy Orton kind of promoted that stuff on his own uh, to, to leverage for a better deal. Here's the thing, people like, gotta understand about wwe and aew like okay is aew going to offer more creative freedom and maybe more creative fulfillment and maybe similar money like i don't know what they're paying moxley um but i would assume he's getting paid similar money to potentially a little less to what wwe was offering him and obviously they offer the creative uh freedom that WWE wasn't going to and he can go to New Japan and he got to work some indies and stuff as well yes AEW can offer that stuff and and like that's great for a lot of guys there's also a lot of guys especially the older guys like the Ortons like the uh like like New Day to where WWE offers just an entire and I hate to use this term like they offer an entire universe almost and what I mean by that is like, you know, Kofi gets to travel to Ghana and he's like hugely, you know, he gets to go home to Ghana and he's, he's like hugely hero, popular. Man. Yeah. Like he's not getting that in AEW. Like he's not going to be as well known. Look at Xavier's YouTube channel. He launches up, up, down, down. It has 2 million subscribers and it's not hitting 2 million subscribers if he doesn't have that WWE force behind him. And okay. Like, yeah, AEW is popular on YouTube. Do you know how many subscribers being the elite has? I'm asking you, Larry. What's up? Do you know how many subscribers Being the Elite has? Uh, I don't know. Probably a couple hundred thousand at most. 400,000, which isn't bad, but it's not... Two million, like, and being the elite has been around forever, and it, you know, it they're on TNT and stuff now. Like, up, up, down, down hasn't been around as long as being the elite, I don't believe. And like, this is what WWE can offer you. It just offers you so many opportunities that they're just outside of wrestling. That AEW just doesn't, you know, they don't have that kind of like they they don't have that kind of footprint and it's tough to believe that they'll ever get that kind of footprint because they're, you know, 50 years behind. So like when, when guys want to stay in WWE, it's not just, Oh, well, they're going to be used poorly. They're going to be buried, whatever. Like, okay, maybe, 
but not everyone is thinking like, hey, I'm just going to go out here and like I just want to have fun wrestling. Like these guys are having fun. They're they're hanging out. They're best friends. And not everyone just wants to think, oh, I got to be creative, fulfilled with wrestling. Other people are thinking like, hey, I want to go to Ghana. I want to do these radio appearances. I want to get into movies on TV, do a YouTube stream, stuff, this and that. And that's why WWE can like that's what they offer compared to every other company in the world. Exactly. So yeah, again, I was just again just so surprised. It's apparently like a lot of people thought they might leave, and I was just like, never thought that at all. Like I, I don't know. Those people are weird. So uh, we'll move on. Uh, Marty Skrull. We talked about Marty. Um, obviously, he showed up at the NWA pay-per-view. He is a free agent now, but he did work the ROH show on Sunday and apparently um, gave a big post-match interview and made it sound like he's sticking around for a while. A um, lot of rumors about Marty, obviously. Um, we talked about him extensively throughout the year here. A lot of speculation that he's eventually AEW bound, but there's a lot of people um, that also think that he's he's going to play out the free agent thing for a while, and he's going to stick with ROH and do some NWA and other, other things. So I think that's what he's going to do. I, I don't think he's going to lock into anything right away, Jeremy, or at least not for a good while. Your thoughts? If he was going to lock into something, he would have been locked into something. Uh, we we saw him show up at Into the Fire. Um, I'm, I'm sure you saw the promo that he did on on Power. Yep. Like we we talked about when he showed up on the on the post into the into the Fire review. Like it seems like they're going to be building towards an Aldous Marty match, and we we speculated that maybe they're running that pay per view in January because they didn't know how long they were going to have marty four and like i don't know if you read the the power spoilers but marty was not on those spoilers and those you know those spoilers take you all the way up to to hard times and like if they're building towards a, an aldous marty match on that one it, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen unless they're going to build towards it by using just video packages where they're not even like face-to-face marty's not cutting live promos in front of the audience or anything like that so it seems like they're playing a longer game which would indicate they think marty is gonna be a free agent for a while roh as you said i guess he cut a a post post post-show promo um but i I think the biggest thing is if he did that then that that says a lot even if he didn't like they didn't book like some angle that made you believe that marty was leaving they booked um, you know, they, they booked Roosh's new stable and he's confronting villain enterprises and Marty's out there with villain enterprises. Like there was no, we're going to, we're kicking Marty out to get a new leader or anything like that. They it made you believe that, Hey, this guy's going to be around for a little while and we're going to let this play out. So yeah, Cody, he made the comments where, you know, Marty's going to do what he's going to do and, and stuff. He was very almost non-committal on it. And yeah, he's been teased on being the elite, but They've had people on being the elite before that didn't end up with the with the company. So John Morrison, Morrison, uh, Joey Ryan stuff. So like, they, it's not like they. And, and you know, I still think Marty is AEW bound, but I don't. I truthfully, right now, don't blame him for just trying to you know play the field a little bit. He, it's like what we've talked about a lot this year is some guys might just want to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And Marty on the independent scene 
and if you want to consider ROH, NWA independent, and they, they are, uh, like he's the biggest fish out there, honestly. So I, I don't blame him in that sense. And he's probably getting good money from all these people too. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think it's really interesting. I'm really interested, interested to see how he's going to play everything out. And, um, like what the long game is exactly if it's AEW or if he's just going to do this and you know, just what's going to happen exactly. But, uh, I mean, Hey, smart on him, make yourself, keep yourself out there, keep yourself desirable. And yeah. And going back to that Sunday ROH show, which I did review is he won in the main event. Yeah. So it wasn't like they buried him, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, he's, he's in the plans, man. As you said, they introduced Rush's new stable, uh, Lefection and Gobernable and fucking Kenny King, by the way, are you fucking shitting me? (laughs) I saw that and I was like, Oh my God, all these people they got to choose from and that's who they put in the stable. (laughs) I swear to God, ROH and NWA read my ideas and said, these are good ideas. We're just going to put other people in them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They really did. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and speaking of that, we're to keep with the NWA. One thing you said after the Into the Fire stuff was that w- one thing that is kind of taking you out of the NWA product was the fact that Nick Aldis did not have a clearly defined slash heel face dynamic to his character. And I don't know if I, you were just kind of foreshadowing or if it was fortuitous timing or they were listening, Jeremy. Nick Aldis now has a direction and a persona. I mean, Lagana listens to this show, I would assume. So he, he clearly just, he, he heard your idea and he heard my idea and he, com- he combined the two. He heard your idea that James Storm should be uh, paired with the wild cards and Camille turning on Aldis. And he heard my idea that Aldis should be more more defined. Is he a heel? Is he a baby face? And he decided, all right, I like the stable idea and let's de- define Aldis as a heel. And so he, he meshed the idea. So what up, Lagana? Yeah, that's right. You're welcome for that. So, um, but I, I, I saw that and I was like, well, Jeremy's going to be happy. <laughs> uh, it is good. Like I, as I said, like I want to know more of just who Nick Aldous is and the NWA and, and you were, you were correct in calling a stable because the NWA has always had that, that dominant heel faction and it's typically been the horsemen and like that, like that's what they're doing here. And so I, I have no issues with that. Yeah. And they fucking got Scott Steiner. Spoiler alert. There you go. So yeah, um, so that was that was kind of cool. And uh, so I was. Uh, it's one of those uh, part. Like if, if I was in school, that's like a partial credit, I guess. You know, I'll take it. the C's get degrees. <laughs> that's right. So yeah, so we'll see how that plays out going forward. But again, I thought you, I knew you'd be happy on that. Uh, and then the other big news that came out uh, during Wednesday: Killer Cross is finally free, Jeremy. Very happy for for Killer Cross. He's a like his look is outstanding. That you're not gonna like the guy. The guy just screams professional ass kicker, professional wrestler, what whatever you want to call him. Um, he can he can play many different roles. That um, no matter how you want to kind of cast them, he can he can fill different roles for your company. And the the battle with Impact was just so unnecessary and it did ice him for pretty much this entire year which which sucked at least the the second half of the year which sucks but I, I'm, I'm glad he's free yeah so from what i can tell the big speculation is cross to nxt right now 
Well, Scar Scarlet's there. Yeah. Um, I think he does an indie run just because I I think he he's been on ice for so long that I almost think he wants to um kind of remind everybody like who he is and what he can do like you go to nxt right now uh, they'll use him they'll, they'll use him probably pretty quickly uh but at the same time like you're there's a lot of people in nxt who like aren't getting used weekly because they just have so much talent and, and you run that risk like i think cross is just so he's been out for for so long as far i mean he's a you know he did the the, the los and gobernables with triple a so i don't know if they're shooting that kind of angle if he's not sticking around for at least a couple of months my my guess and i have no insight is he does an indie run through WrestleMania and then he signs with NXT. He maybe he's in the, the the crowd at Takeover or something. Yeah. Um, on top of the Scarlet factor too, there's this. There have been rumors for a while that WWE was interested in him anyway. So I could very much see that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm glad he got out of it because of the the Impact thing because. It, it just wasn't working out. Yeah, he wanted more money. He thought he o- overdid all their expectations. They didn't want to pay him more because he was locked into a deal. I can get both sides. I do think it was kind of shitty to ice him for like six months like they did. So, I mean, it's like, here's the thing. is like, if you're not going to pay him and he's unhappy, and then you've decided, well, we're just not going to use him, you might as well just let him go. It's a, I mean, we knock WWE for this all the time of guys went out, but then they they hold them against there. At least WWE pays their guys while they're icing them, um, and they're paid very handsomely while they're getting iced. Like, Cross wasn't, he was just iced. He, I, I don't know how much he was getting paid, if he was getting paid, but it certainly wasn't anything of just a WWE contract. I mean, he said he was barely skating by when he was wrestling and, you know, he was taking independent dates and stuff like that. So I can't imagine he was doing fairly well when, when impact wasn't using him. Uh, so yeah, it was like, it was a shitty thing for impact to do. Honestly, if either pay him renegotiate somehow, or if you're not going to, then just release him and let the guy make a living. Um, I mean, that's what they did with Scarlett. Cause she had kind of the same complaints and they decided to, to let her go but with cross i guess they just decided to be a little bit more petty with it yeah so um i mean i'm happy for the guy i would not be opposed to him having uh locking into a little indie run here knocking off the rust getting the love back and then going wherever he's gonna go um which again it, it kind of seems like nxt according to all the uh all the rumors going around so we will f- i'm sure we will find out and it probably won't take too long to do so yeah, I would imagine he, he gets picked up fairly quickly. And again, I think he does an indie run. I think we we see him in MLW. Uh, maybe we'll see him at like a GCW event. I think he wants to work Bloodsport in, in April because he worked the last one and he was really excited about that. He has his own promotion in, in Vegas as well. So he's he's not going to be hurting for, for bookings. Exactly. And a last thing here, and unfortunately I cannot give uh... – deep details on it but uh 
I had sources reach out to me, Jeremy, and probably in the next couple days, it looks like some big ROH news is going to drop. Okay. I don't know what that is. So Yeah, I uh, it, it was totally off the record. Can't burn the source. Um, but looks like something kind of big is going to break out of ROH. And I can't get into any more details. I hate to do that. I don't want to be a dick about it. But gotta got to respect the off the record thing. And uh, it'll probably get a lot of talk when it comes out. So I'll talk to you off air. I might know what it is, but yeah, um, tell me off air because I, I don't know. So that'll get us back into our weekly. Larry just out here dropping teases and now pissing everybody. I know, off. I know. People are going <laughs> to fucking hate me. I hate to do it, but uh, yeah, I, I was allowed to give that much out. Okay. So we'll get back into the regular Wednesday now. AEW Dynamite, December 18th, 2019, Jeremy. We started off with the Lucha Bros versus Kenny Omega and Adam Page in tag team action, kicking off our show. The Lucha Bros defeated Kenny Omega and Adam Page at seventeen fifty via pin. Your thoughts, good sir? The the right winners because we have the whole ordeal with Omega and Page not being friends. Um, the, the match was good. It's you know you give these guys eighteen minutes. It's it's tough to for them to have a bad match. Uh, I get I like the finish because. Page accidentally hit uh, Omega with the buckshot, and that led to the the package pile driver stomp combo. So I, I like that that there's still a little bit of of dissension there and everything, and, and Page just not being, I guess, mentally right with the elite and stuff. I commentary was a little annoying because I mean Jim Ross is always kind of annoying, but. You know, they've been pounding for for weeks. Like, oh, Adam Page, he he left the elite, and then here they they kind of like made it seem like he's still in the elite, and it, it was a little confusing on that end because he kept talking about how oh, yeah they're still friends. You know, they're they're traveling. They're they've been buddies for a long time. Page, like, I think even Excalibur is like Page is in the elite. He's part of the elite. Uh, so so that was annoying. Phoenix looked pissed off after the match. I don't know if they screwed something up, but he didn't seem happy. He had, like, an awkward spot at one point. It wasn't, like, a full-out botch, but uh, I think he was more pissed at himself, probably. Yeah, it didn't seem like he was mad about anything that went wrong. I, I think Phoenix, to me, and I don't know this, but he seems like a guy that can be hard on himself if he doesn't hit everything perfectly. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, he does a lot of uh, flippy stuff. And nine times out of ten, this guy is crisp on everything he does. Uh, but with with this one, yeah, I guess I guess he messed something up and he, he wasn't too happy with himself. Yeah, he does a lot of ambitious shit, too. It's like, and it th- yeah. has to be, like, really precise when he does it. So, yeah, I think he was just, you know, more pissed at himself. Yeah, I thought it was a very good match. A hot way to start off the show. They had a great crowd for this. Um, match was just really good. Um, again, like you said, I agree. Right winners here. Uh, they continued to play off the Kenny and Page issues and the possible Hangman Page heel turn. So, I liked that a lot. And I actually, I, I liked that they didn't... Um, bitch out on the finish and actually had Kenny lose. Yeah, I I mean, Kenny losing is fine. He's taken, I don't know if he's taken a tag loss before. I feel like he has. Like, I've given up on this records mattering stuff, though. Well, not like, even so much because I'm about <laughs> the records. I'm just saying, like, you know, normally Kenny would be the super protected guy out of him and Paige. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. 
And then we got a post-match angle uh, where Kenny and the Hangman Page were arguing. Pac appeared on the screen. Once his rematch, he was walking through the back and he went into a room with Michael Nakazawa to presumably kill him. To, to do something with him. I don't know if he's going to kill him or what, but, but yeah, uh, he's going to do something. Kenny headed to the back. The Lucha Bros cut him off, laid him out. Page ran them off. and, and then This we, was stupid. Yeah, and then we saw Darby Allen skateboarding through the backstage area. This, this was dumb because... One, it happened like a picture in picture with commercials. Like, don't shoot an angle during the commercial stuff. And and then, all right, fine. Kenny is looking for him and, and whatnot. And like that, that's good. He cares about his friend. I just assume just Pac stole his baby oil, and then Michael Nakazawa got pissed, and then he ran after him. Um, but then like the Lucha Bros attack him, and th- then Hangman just like comes up and the lucha bros just like back away like dude it's still two on one like look i like the lucha bros i don't care about them and aew like they're good wrestlers i i just don't have a a great reason to care about them their their characters seem like pentagon is a shell of what i loved about him and in lucha underground And, and phoenix is awesome but i need a little bit more of just who are these guys like they, they especially this thing like hangman just comes up is like hey back off and they're like okay we'll back off it's dumb they were afraid of cowboy shit no i don't know Cerro <laughs> miedo that that means no fear even cowboy shit i i guess i i just the lucha bros to me are just Again, great wrestlers. I really want to like them. I do like them in the ring, but I, I've talked about how they what they've done with Penta this year. Like I, I don't think Penta is anything. Like most of the time, he just looks dumb, and this was another instance of it. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, dude. Yeah, they're, they're not giving you a reason to care. They're guys you like, but you don't have a reason to care. I get it. No, I mean, you explained yourself well. Don't worry. So uh, that led to another tag team. I know match. I did. I'm very eloquent. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so we went back to the ring for tag team action. Cody and Darby Allen versus the Butcher and the Blade. Cody and Darby won at 11 minutes via pin. I thought they had a good match. Cody got some revenge here. Uh, and the big thing with this match was that Darby Allen agreed to tag with him and be his friend for the night. As long as if they won, he would get a rematch with Cody. Because if you guys remember over the summer, these two went to a 20 minute draw. Yeah, good match. Um, can we say 50 50 booking? Kind of was. Uh, did Butcher and Blade win, lose, or win last week, lose this week? I liked that the cutter won. I think Cody listened to this podcast as well because I complained about super kicks and cutters just meaning absolutely nothing. And Cody won with the the Cody cutter in this match. So I did like that 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 was the finish there. Cody, you know, Cody is he is good at like establishing these secondary finishers. You know, that's he, what he I won. Said, that's what I was gonna say because I said that in my review. Carry on. Yeah, he you know he won with the Cody cutter. He he won with uh I guess he just like got his knees up on, on Sammy Guevara and pinned him. I feel like he won a match with a disaster kick as well, some squash match. Uh, he won with that, and obviously he has the crosswords as well. Like Cody is doing a very good job of just 
making like making it seem like hey i've got all these secondary moves that if i hit it it could be the end of the match and with everybody else you you don't feel like that um so so kudos i i keep saying this and because it's true at least in my mind i love everything cody does in aew like everything i i cannot say like a bad word about anything cody has done there's some stuff where i'm just like all right i'll, I'll give it a chance I, I don't know but anything cody does is it just completely hits with me so kudos to him yeah i, I wrote in my review i love that he's getting over alternate finishes um, yeah, he beat Sammy with a small package after he got the knees up. The jobber match was a figure four, actually. I remember that one. And okay. then he used the uh, the big Cody cutter here. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I love dudes that have an alternate finish. It's uh, like with Pac, because, like, you know he can finish somebody with the black arrow. But then he introduced a brutalizer, so he has the alternate submission finish. And I like when wrestlers have that, like, alternate finish. I really do. Um, because you can add a lot of drama to matches. It was like when they were trying to, um, uh, when they were building up uh, Cody versus Naito. Or not Cody, uh, Okada versus Naito. And Okada started using the, uh, the Cobra Clutch. And the reason they were doing that was for an alternate finish, but also because that was a great move to counter into a Destino. So you were trying to add another element of drama to that match. And I appreciate little things like that. And I wish generally in wrestling, more people would do that. Yeah, I think Cody's done a good job of it. They tried with the uh, the Scorpio Sky small package and they just completely shit the bed when when the big match came. And, and that was upsetting. And then otherwise, it's for the most part, this is just wrestling nowadays is it takes your finish and if it doesn't take one finish, it takes two, three, four, five finishes. So I appreciate that. Again, everything Cody is doing, get, just give him the book. Cut cut Kenny and the Bucks out of this nonsense. Or whoever else happens to be involved, yeah. Because, you know, I don't even think Tony Khan has that good a grasp on things right now. They need to do something. Booking committees generally do not work and have never really worked. So We'll yeah. talk about that in the main event. So, I've uh, got a Jungle Boy training video setting up his match with Jericho. According to my review, Awesome Kong defeated a victim at 40 seconds. She... Yeah, I like the I like the Jungle Boy video by the way because I'm a fan of them like trying to build this as a a big deal. And then the Awesome Kong match, she she squashed her, whatever. Yeah, she she killed a victim, took a hair trophy. We got a brief little interview with Jungle Boy talking about how he respects Jericho as a legend, and they talked about his dad and how he thinks his dad would be proud of him heading into tonight. Who's his dad? Uh, Luke Perry. Yeah, I mean, I guess they didn't want to mention that, but I yeah, I don't know. I think did they bleep it out? I thought I heard a bleep at one point, which was weird, but I don't know. I don't I don't me. know if they bleeped it. It was just hey, they didn't. I I did not hear them say Luke Perry. And on one hand, like I commend them for like not trying to use that, but at the same time, like if you're gonna say, do you think your dad would be proud? Like clue people in to who his dad is. Yeah. So Jericho and Sammy Guevara came out ahead of the Jungle Boy match and they went to commercial and commercial and Jericho had Sammy Guevara holding cue cards and Jericho was apparently cutting a promo on TNT for going to pitcher and pitcher commercial breaks and then they cut the feed during it, which I kind of found really funny. 
yeah, I saw that Jericho was cutting a promo picture in picture and like, hey, this Chris Jericho promo seems like it'd be cool. And then they, as you said, they just went to straight commercials because I guess they realized this Chris Jericho promo probably is cool. And maybe we shouldn't tease our audience by letting them know there's a Chris Jericho promo. I did think it was just funny because he was making fun of TNT for going to pitcher and pitcher and then they just turned it off. They were like, nah, we're good. <laughs> So, and that led to Le Champion Chris Jericho versus Jungle Boy in our 10-minute non-title challenge match, Jeremy. Jungle Boy and Le Champion Chris Jericho went to a 10-minute draw. Your thoughts? It was good. There there was good drama. Um, like You knew it was going to be, it was going to come down to the final minute or two. And so in that sense, like the the first eight minutes, they they tried to create a little bit of drama with some near falls and Jericho did the whole, "Ah, I can have them beat kind of thing. But you you knew it was going down to the the final two minutes. But I thought the final two minutes, they, they created some good drama. I the the walls of Jericho thing like he was in it for at least a minute maybe longer and then afterwards like he just sold it like it was nothing and so that was a little upsetting like if you're in that move for a minute you know, most people tap after like five seconds uh but if you, you're in it for a full minute and you know it's a full minute because there's a, a timer there and then afterwards, you're just like, all right, you're up, you're bouncing around, you're doing Skin the Cat, you're doing uh, Hurricane Rana's, and like, there's just no effect. I thought that was sort of burying the move almost. So I didn't like that, but otherwise, a, a nice little fun 10-minute match. He has incredible jungle core strength, apparently. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, uh, No, fair, fair point. Yeah, uh, they went to the 10 minutes. Jericho demanded five more. Jungle Boy fought him off, and Jericho ran away. He threw a fit at ringside and came back. Tony tried to interview him, and Tony said that, uh, he's trying to interview him, and Jericho says that, uh, I told you Jungle Boy couldn't beat me, and Tony corrected him and said, no, you said he couldn't go 10 minutes with you. So that obviously angered Jericho, and he diverted the conversation to Moxley and his invitation to join the inner circle. Said he feels he already knows the answer and has big surprises for him. And then he gave him a Merry Christmas Mox from everybody in the inner circle message. Which was very sweet heading into the holidays. Yeah. Um, Jericho's good on the mic. I like his little exchange with Skia Vone. And um, yeah, they continued to tease the whole Jay Moxley joining the, the inner circle stuff. So it, it was it was fine. Uh, backstage, SCU were being interviewed about being the tag team champions in tonight's match. The Lucha Bros arrived and had a cell phone with footage of Daniels botched from the Pentagon match to harass him. And this upset Christopher Daniels and he left. Again, like, what are the Lucha Brothers doing? They just come around with cell phones now and it's like, haha, look at you botch this move. Uh, you want to talk about your, your theory? I guess, I don't know if there's much more to talk about, but you, you dropped the theory that... The, the move might not have been botched and you know people are praising this angle for hey they're they're following up on it really well like they're turning the botch into a storyline and i i feel like that leads more credence to your theory that maybe he did this on purpose yeah i mean again i i i brought it up that you know daniels is did that in tna when he was working aj styles as a way to fake him out and yeah maybe daniels has some kind of devious story in mind i don't know we'll I'm sure we'll find out. It's I like that they're following up on it, and maybe it's going to be something really interesting. But I mean, it is it is kind of a good way to make the Lutz brothers look like a bunch of dicks, though. They're <laughs> like you know, walking in, like, "Ha ha, old man, you fucked up." So, 
We'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm right on it or not. I don't think so because Jesus Christ, I've been wrong a lot lately, so I'm not sure if there's ever I mean, I'm sure if Christopher Daniels does an interview down the line and he reveals the secrets, but I don't think he's gonna give anything away right now. Um but yeah, I don't know if we'll ever get like a, a firm answer. But either way, either they've turned this botch into a story, which I can appreciate that they're they're trying to do something with it. Or he did do it on purpose and, you know, they're creating, you know, that's how they've created this story. And again, I can appreciate that this is a a good story to tell, assuming it's going to all come back around. And, you know, Christopher Daniels has this doubt about himself right now. And I guess that's the story that they're telling. So I think either way, they've created a good story, whether it was on purpose or not. Uh, and it is an easy story to tell because he was the one that got taken out of the tag title tournament due to injury. And then his buddies went on to win the titles and they're finding success. And Scorpio Sky even got a title shot. And Christopher Daniels is just their buddy hanging out with them. Yeah. So, so he's sad. Um, all right. Uh, back to the ring. Number one contenders match for the women's title. Chris Statlander defeated Britt Baker at 945 via pin. I thought they had a good match. thought they worked really hard. Um, the one thing I do appreciate is they obviously tried with Britt Baker early on. And I think they realized that it wasn't clicking. So they decided to move on for now, which I appreciate. Um, so it was a good match. I like Statlander getting a title shot. But in the end, it felt completely flat due to the post-match crap with... Brandy Rhodes and her whole nightmare collective bullshit. I just I can't, it, I can't get into it. I don't think it worked with Baker early because all they could do was tell us she's a fucking dentist. Like they gave us nothing else with her. And so like, I, I think that's why it didn't click well, with that. Baker. And that and uh, let's be honest, her, her matches weren't, they weren't bad, but they weren't really good either. No, 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 they, they weren't. And, and that certainly was an issue, but uh, yeah, I, I'm with you there, but I, I do. I still think there is potential in Britt Baker. Oh, no, like there, she there is, but I mean, I think it was smart to move on though right now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. They, they have a lot of women and I think you can always go back to Baker, but for the love of God, give her a little bit more depth than she's a dentist. I did like that for the majority of this match, like she's just trying to go for her finish. And I think more people should do this. Like, let me put you in my finishing hold because I know that will beat you. I think that is a, a good strategy in wrestling. Well, that um, it's also a number one contenders match. So you should be trying to win at every turn. So yeah, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I, I really like that from, from Britt Baker. And I just, I like that, you know, her finishes, the lock jaw, she's trying to go after the mouths of people. So it all, it makes sense. I did like that match was good. Um, a little slow early they they kind of just it was like some slow chain wrestling i guess is what we'll call it like it didn't look super crisp but it picked up after the uh picture in picture commercial break so uh and yeah i have no problem with with statlander winning i think that is the right call uh riho was there for like two seconds in the crowd so cool well, that, that's um, all we could see two seconds because we had to have brandy on the screen <sighs> I feel like instituting the the Women of Honor ban on the Nightmare Collective. We can do that. <laughs> this sucks, dude. 
It's terrible. Yeah, you know, Brandy cut that promo earlier, which we skimmed over, thank God, but I'll go back to it now. Like, that wasn't good. The this pro she comes out and she's like, You cut my mic off, Shivani. Like your mic's working. Can I, I guess people said like, oh, it wasn't working for the live audience. Like, all right, well, according to five hundred thousand people, however many people are watching AEW, what they have seven hundred and fifty thousand last week. Something according like to seven hundred and fifty thousand people, it was working, but according to five thousand people, it wasn't. So the majority saw that your mic was working and you were just like, Oh, you cut my mic off, Shivani. This is terrible. It's really bad. It's it's a tough gimmick in the first place. And I'll I'll dive more into that in the main event, the main event segment. It's a tough gimmick in the first place. You have to have the right people to do it. She's not the right person. Like, just not even close to being the right person. Not even close. I'll try to be as polite as possible. It was not good. Brandy is a pretty lady. Yeah, that's very fair. <laughs> she, I mean, she, she's a, she's a very beautiful woman. She is, she's not good in this role, no. not at all. It's not good. We got a quick uh, Sean Spears Tully Blanchard promo talking about the rise of tag team wrestling here in AEW and that they're Tully's trying to find him a partner to go after the tag team gold. Storyline sucks. I don't think there's anything wrong. It's fine. <laughs> It, There's nothing it, wrong with it. It's just it, it involves Sean Spears. Oh, well, it's better than Brandy. <sighs> it, it, that's it true. It is. That's not high praise. It's not that's high not praise, high but praise. at least yeah, it is at least better. Uh, we've got a big Young Bucks video pack. It's talking about the importance of tag team wrestling in the company, as well as their failure to prove that they were the best tag team in all of wrestling. They're best friends with SCU. They're even going to have Christmas together, but tonight's their time, and they hope that there's no jealousy at Christmas when they're uh, sitting at the table with their ta- new tag team titles out for everybody to see. Okay, here's what I don't like, and that's them constantly telling me how much tag team wrestling is important. I don't like it when WWE is like, oh, making history with the women first time ever, blah, 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 blah. Like, just let it be. Like, let I see that tag team wrestling is important in AEW. I see them main eventing every week. It's great. I I think it's awesome. You're you're putting on great matches. Don't constantly tell me, like, tag team wrestling, tag team wrestling, tag team wrestling, because it's just annoying to me. And we got this in back-to-back segments because Sean Spears is saying it, and then they do this Young Bucks video. It's it's a turnoff to me. I get it. I get what they're going for because they want to make the tag title match feel important. But I think you raise a fair point because it is like that women's re- revolution stuff that it's like you hear it like they're beating you over the head with it, and then it's like, yeah, great, tag team wrestling. Thanks. Fuck off. Give me the match. So. Yeah, I, I'm fine with them making the the tag team match important. Like it should be, it's a tag team title match. It should be important. the The problem is just them constantly telling me just overall how yeah. important tag team wrestling is. Yeah. And again, I don't disagree. I know why they're doing it, but it doesn't mean it's right. Like I know why WWE does what they do with the women's Revo- revolution stuff, and this is history, blah blah blah, because they're trying to build something. They after years of the women's wrestling never being important, they want you to value it as important. And I get that, but when you tell us eight thousand times during a you know one hour segment, yeah, it's going to drive people nuts. So, but yeah, no, I think you're raising a perfectly fair point. That is, it's little things like that that 
they accumulate over time, especially. Well, it's like the women's thing. When you keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it, and everybody's like, you know, whenever they announce a women's match, everybody jokes, oh, is it herstory? Are we making herstory again? So, yeah, and it's going to kind of become a running joke if they keep doing it with the tag thing here. Again, I get why they're doing it, but it's, uh, yeah. And if you're going to tell me this stuff is important, don't have your tag team opener go almost twice as long as your tag team main event. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's very valid criticism. Like, th- this is the championship match. I'm not saying, like, the main event should always be the longest match, but, uh, well, well, set up the match and then I'll get more into it. Yeah. So, uh, it probably should have been there to play into the post-match angle even better if you think about it. Um, cause yeah, the tag title match was like seven minutes, uh, lighter than the opener. So the uh, main event champions, SCU defending against the Young Bucks. SCU won at 10.25 via pin. Um, I thought they had a really good match. They worked very well together, but it was also far from their best work together because I've seen them have way better matches. Yeah, and, and this is like this is part of my issue is they got 10 minutes. And okay, they can have a good 10-minute match. They did have a good 10-minute match. But it's your main event for your tag team titles. I feel like it should be longer. It should certainly be longer than your opener. But I think, and I don't know if this is true or not, I think they wanted that opener to go long because it was commercial free. It was up against Cole and Balor. And I I feel like they almost just wanted it to be like, all right, you know, we're going to have this banger of a match too. Don't tune out of our match to go watch their match. And look, they can say they're not counter-programming. Both of these companies are counter-programming. I I don't care what either of them says. They are. So like that, like that's what it came off to as me. This match should have been longer. You can't cut the awesome Kong thing. Like was her squashing somebody super necessary you know what I mean? Like, I don't. I don't think it was. You, you can't cut something. And granted, that's only you know it's a forty second match. But you, when you talk about the the pre the entrances, the uh, Brandy, yeah, the post match was stuff. Like, you you can cut that, and and you can give this more time. You can cut the the Cody match a little bit if you need to. You can certainly cut your your opening match. That it doesn't need to go seven eight minutes longer than than your main event. Even them out, your main event should go longer. It's it's the title match. Like it should have been a, a longer match, and maybe uh, which I who, who's sick? Nick Nick was Nick sick, was sick last, last week. week. Yeah, maybe he's still getting over the flu, and if that's the case, then I don't know. Maybe don't do the match or figure something better out. Uh, but the the match it didn't feel as in, as important as I felt it should have, and, and part of the reason was it just it was a shorter. It was short. And you know with AEW especially, like they got to hit that 10 o'clock mark. So if you see them in the ring at quarter till and the match isn't starting until quarter till, you're like, all right, this match is 15 minutes or less. You you know that right off the bat. Yeah. So post-match, the Dark Order arrived and Evil Uno was wearing a spiffy suit and said they were here not for an attack but for an initiation. Uh, a bunch of creepers surrounded the ring, including Alex Reynolds and John Silver, who they had been recruiting. They attack SCU in the box and start laying them out. Daniels arrived. He got laid out. 
Kenny arrived, he got laid out. Cody and Dustin arrived, they got their ass beat. Adam Page was either just an asshole or too smart to come out there, so he was nowhere to be found. Dark Order cleared out the ring. They gave Reynolds and Silver their official creeper masks, so they're officially initiated. And Uno said never to doubt them again, and they stood tall to close the show. Now, before we fully get into this, the one thing that I also thought the main event needed to be longer for was because, I mean, no, granted, they had like 30 guys out there, but it makes much more sense if these guys have a longer taxi match and then get their asses beat. Agreed. So, that, I will say that. So, number one, I will say, I greatly appreciate the fact that AEW keeps trying to make new stars with people that aren't commodities. They're trying with, they tried with Scorpio Sky, Darby Allen, Chris Statlander is a recent um, example, and they're still trying with Dark Order. I can appreciate this a lot. Because you have to make stars. But I do think one of the ongoing issues with AEW is that they do have some top guys. But they're not treating them all as top guys. Jericho's treated as a top guy, but he's also helping to make people and not losing anything. Moxley's being treated as a top guy. Great. Um, Then you have like the next level down and you have like... Pack and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks who were kind of eh in terms of looking like stars. Cody's up top too, by the way. I, I didn't mean to forget Cody. Um, but you have guys that should be stars. You know, Kenny, Young Bucks, Cody, Pack, And then you have just... They're not really succeeding in any tangible way. And then they're getting beaten down... By, for lack of a better word, a bunch of geeks to absolutely, like, no reaction. And it's not because the crowd was tired. This crowd was hot for pretty much everything on the show, with the exception of, like, Brandy. And then they were even into the main event match. And then you had this big, colossal beatdown of the Dark Order. And again, I can appreciate what they're trying. But I don't think it worked. I'm with you on the not having people feel like stars type of thing. Like like Kenny and the Bucks are certainly the the best example of that. I don't feel like these guys are stars. I, I really don't. Like I, I I don't I look, I've had my complaints with, with Kenny Omega pretty much this entire time. I feel like his character has been all over the place and it, it still feels like that to me. Like I don't really know who Kenny Omega is outside of a really good wrestler. And I only know that cause I've followed him for years, uh, in new Japan and whatnot. So that's what I know about Kenny Omega. It's kind of the same thing with the bucks. I know they're really good wrestlers cause I followed them for years, but besides that, like what, you know, what are they? They, they tried to tell like losing streak gimmicks with both of these guys, <laughs> or, or I guess all three, all three of these guys to start. And then, but they they quickly rectified the like they had like two losses and now the Bucks are challenging for the title and and Omega is like still main eventing anyway and his record is, is like he's second in the power rankings or wherever they put him in the power rankings, um so like the losing streak gimmick didn't really take the character work has just been all over the place for these guys and yeah when you do something like this like 
they're just getting beat up by a bunch of geeks. And okay, I understand they have a numbers advantage, but could you imagine like just the spirit squad just like beating up DX? Like DX just shipped them away. And they actually did beat them down at one point in that feud, which was really bad. So they they got sent off in the end, obviously. But no, I get your point. And I'm sure the Dark Order will get some type of comeuppance or, or whatever. But at least the Spirit Squad is like five on two, and the Spirit Squad are, are presented as like good wrestlers who have won stuff. Like, we don't know anything about these creeper guys. Maybe they'll be revealed to be like, oh, hey. And this is honestly what I was waiting for. I was like, oh, hey, it's the the Butcher and the Blade, and it's this guy and that guy. You know, it's, it's John Silver and Alex Reynolds who just got their asses kicked in a minute by John Moxley last week. Like why, why are these guys presented as any, any type of threat? Um, and, and I think that's an issue for AEW is they're trying to present so many people as a threat that they're 50, 50 ing everything. And it shows in the records. Like you look at those records and you see that it's a lot of 500 and the, the, this is the reason why. And now we're seeing it like in angles like this. My other issue is it just feels way too soon for this story to play like this. Like I, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I love these dark order video packages. I think they've been some of the best stuff on the show, the way they pivoted from what these guys were presented as as first, which was just shit. I thought it, it was amazing, and I love this idea of this cult. It feels just way too soon for them to like be on TV. And here's Reynolds and Silver. Like they they've done what maybe two video packages with them. Like we didn't see them like go to any type of uh, of a meeting type thing. Like the it just appeared on the, the they were in their hotel room and they they saw the uh, the video thing. It, maybe they did stuff on being the elite. Maybe they did stuff on dark fine not everybody watches that stuff and i do remember them doing something on being the elite but again not everyone watches that stuff so exactly if you've only watched dynamite all you've seen is hey they saw an ad and now they they want to join like there was no like lead up to it and i felt like there there could have been just more of like just more on this go to a meeting or something, you know, I, I don't know. I, it just feels like it's too soon to just put these guys on TV and not just put them on TV, like put them in this spot. Okay. If they want to attack, I, I don't know who, who's presented as like a lower card geek kind of guy. They've got guys. If they want to attack, um, the librarians or something like that, that I can understand. Like you're taking out the guys who were supposed to be your your biggest stars, your top guys, and the, you're, you're taking them out with two guys in, in Grayson and Uno who can't win matches, Silver and Reynolds who have been complete jobbers, and attack the best friends. You know that was that was right there for them. They they did that earlier, and the best friends like when Orange Cassidy made his uh debut, like you know he took like whoa why don't you do that i think an issue is cody is the guy and they 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 feel like omega and the bucks are those guys as well and so they feel like to get everyone over they have to go after them you know what i mean like like does that make sense It, it it felt rushed and it felt almost like 
like too much of a quick fix. Like the Dark Order didn't work out. They're obviously really talented guys, but it wasn't working out. So we start doing some cool videos. And then people actually start getting interested because, as you said, it was cool and different. It was a nice rehab and turnaround. And then all of a sudden they have like 80 guys in their cult. And they're on TV beating up the biggest stars in the company, Sans, Jericho, and Moxley. Yeah. And, and this like, and this is the thing with Cody is the Butcher and the Blade attacked him as well. So it's like, all right, to get these guys over, we got to pair him with Cody. And Cody feels like he's in 15 different storylines right now. And like, all right, that's that's fine. I, I I can appreciate them trying to thread different things together. But, you know, nobody was helping. These guys weren't helping Cody when he was getting attacked. Why, why is he helping them right now? I guess he's just a better friend, which, you know, kudos to him for being a better friend. But, but Cody is... You know, he's dealing with MJF. He, he's he got his thread going with, with Darby as well. Now he's involved with the Dark Order stuff. Maybe he's still involved with the Butcher and the Blade. I don't know where that's going. Like, that's at least three concrete threads that he's in right now. It could be even four. And, like, all right, it, it doesn't it doesn't make it all feel important. The MJF stuff feels important. The, the Darby feels the Darby stuff feels semi important. And a lot of that is because they started that before they got on TV, the butcher and the blade stuff feels weak. And this, this stuff feels kind of weak too. And on the cult, like I said, Brandy's not the person to pull it off. I do think I do like evil Uno as, as like a a mouthpiece for this. I think he came across very well here, especially with his his cool suit. And like, he stood out from the the rest of these guys. He, he felt like a, a villain, like a a villainous guy who is leading this cult, uh, to attack people. So I, I think he plays that role way better than Brandy. This is the third. Hey, join us type of of deal they're doing two of them are cults and then you've got the inner circle with with moxley as well like is this the only story they know how to tell is like join us possibly and on top of cody's all wacky storylines he has an insane wife so yeah he mentioned he mentioned that but yeah it's just It was a miss. This was a miss for me. Yeah. And again, like I said, I appreciate what they're trying to do, but it just, it didn't land, man. It just did not land. And the other thing too is, is like, that's your big closing angle and you're not coming back for two weeks. Uh, Yeah. And, and this is the, and in two weeks, this is once again, they're, they're threading Cody and all these storylines. Like, Cody has a match with Darby and then MJF is supposed to do the stipulations on, you know, whatever his stipulations are going to be. And then maybe we'll get follow up on this as well. So it's just, I'm not saying dumb down your storylines because I I don't think wrestling fans need to be spoon fed so much. Like I, I do think they can handle some stuff, but we're also in a society where everyone can only pay attention to one thing at a time. Fair enough. So that'll wrap Dynamite. Uh, we will move on now to NXT, also for December 18th, 2019. Jeremy, we started off with Adam Cole and Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. 
Adam Cole defeats Finn Balor 15-15 via pin when Johnny Gargano arrived, distracted um, Balor, and Cole hit a low blow in the last shot for the win. So he sneaks out with the title. I thought they had a great opening match. Uh, the crowd was really into this, which always helps. Um, they worked really well together. I, th- I thought Balor really blo- bar- uh, excuse me, blah, fucking words out. Really brought his A game. Uh, and honestly, the Gargano distraction, which can kind of be like an annoying thing, I actually thought it played well because it allows Cole to sneak away with the championship without beating Balor clean. And it also continues the feud with Balor. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, the the match was fantastic. I really loved this match. I have no issues with the distraction finish because in this instance, it it certainly worked. There's a lot of stuff where it just feels, okay, we're just trying to advance things. Hey, these guys are feuding. This worked because we haven't seen Gargano in a while. Balor took him out, and now here's Gargano making his return to cost him you know, the, the NXT championship. And, and even though Gargano wants the NXT title and he, he doesn't like he has no reason to to help Adam Cole. But, you know, this guy fucked him uh, out of paydays, I guess, if, if you want to say that. But he, he put him on the sideline for months. He made him miss matches and stuff and maybe not months, but uh, a few weeks. And he made him miss matches and stuff. And so, yeah, why wouldn't he come back at this moment to screw him out of the NXT title? So I thought the finish worked excellently. It, I like that Adam Cole like. It wasn't even, oh, let me just roll you up off of the distraction and stuff. It's, let me fucking low blow you and and then hit you with my finish as well. So it worked even better because it wasn't just a shitty roll up distraction finish. Uh, And everything before the the finish was great as well. So not only a good match, but storytelling that, that made sense. Yeah, I think the only argument you can make against the Gargano thing is just to play devil's advocate. Why wouldn't he want Balor to win because he wants to kick Balor's ass and then try to get the title from him? Just to play devil's I, advocate. Yeah, yeah. And that makes sense. I can see that. But again, I, I think it and you can flip that and just say, like, well, he doesn't want Balor to win because Balor screwed him over here. So he wants to screw him over. Um so I uh, like I, I think that's an easier argument then oh yeah he wants Balor because there's no guarantee Balor's going to win if he hits that finish right there and like he's not going to help Balor so fair enough so uh, and Gargano uh, gave him some chair shots after the match Finn Balor ran away so this feud will continue as we all that match is going to fucking rule by the way oh yeah yeah um I feel much more better about um Balor and NXT after this because, like, I thought the Riddle match was, like, really good, but, like, I it didn't hit that next level for me like this one did. And, like, I was a little concerned, like... Because, like, you know, sometimes these guys, they fucking go to main roster and they get reconditioned and kind of broken. And I was almost, yeah. like, a little worried he was, like, broken. But, uh, no, he Balor looked really good here. Yeah, great opener, great way to kick off the show. And, again, the crowd was great for this as well, so... <clears throat> Excuse me. We move on to back to the ring. Damian Priest defeated Killian Dane at fourteen fifteen via pin. Jeremy, your thoughts? Uh, too long. I like. I don't mind either of these guys. 
at the same time, I'm not like huge fans of these guys, and <laughs> the the match was just. I had a tough time getting into it. Like I, I'm not gonna lie, like it was it wasn't bad or anything. I'm just like, eh, Killian Dane. I, I don't have much time for him. I do like Damian Priest. I hope this just ends the feud. I, I think that Damian Priest can can be a much bigger player. I think he can be in that uh, North American title picture. I think Dane is just kind of where he's going to be, and if I don't see him for a few weeks, uh, I won't be upset. And again, I, I just think the match was too long. Fair. I think it's fair criticism. I, a little, Probably a little too long, but I thought it was good. I thought they played off of their issues at the last takeover well because Dane's the one who injured the ribs of Priest. So uh, he got some revenge here. So I do like that they played off of that. And like, as you said as well, hopefully they just move on from these two. Because I, I think you can, I think you got to strike while you can with Priest because my man's not getting any younger. Yeah, for sure. They're going to bring in Killer Cross to just, it's the new Damien Priest. <laughs> yes, now playing the role. So, uh, the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic is returning next year, and the teams will be announced on January 1st, Jeremy. Are you excited? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I mean, it, it's cool. Tag Team Wrestling is important, Larry. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. I like a good tournament. Uh, hopefully they maybe mix in some of the NXT UK tag teams as well. That'd be good. Just don't have the fucking Forgotten Sons win. Oh Jesus Christ! Why would you? Why did you have to ruin the vibe of this show? By look, someone someone put that out in the universe on my timeline, so I I feel it's necessary to put it out there to everyone as well. If if my enjoyment is going to be ruined by them, I'm gonna ruin everybody else's. I am Scrooge. Well, listen, no offense to that person, but you're an asshole for bringing that up. <laughs> Do not darken my life with the Forgotten Sons. Uh, anyway, back to the ring. Cameron Grimes defeated Kushida 14 minutes via pin. Cameron Grimes evens up the series at 1-1 with the win. I thought they had a really good match. The feud is going to continue. Um, I really enjoyed this. I think my only complaint, and it has nothing to do with the match or the fact that Grimes won, it's just the fact that, for me, Kushida feels like he's already been relegated to just a guy in NXT. Which is really unfortunate because if you look at his body of work, he could be and should be doing a lot more. And again, I know there's a lot of guys in NXT, but like, I don't know. I don't understand why you would bring in a top tier spot, top tier guy, and just have him kind of meander around the card with no real direction set in. You know what I mean? I have yeah. no problem with him feuding with Cameron Grimes right now, but it's like. You need to do something to move them on, you know? It's like, I, I kind of feel like they're wasting them, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, and I'm a big Cameron Grimes fan. I, I think he's awesome. And I like his hat. I don't care what anybody else says. So, like, I don't have an issue with, with Cameron Grimes winning. But I hear you on the Kushida thing because it doesn't feel like he is a big deal at all. He's just, he's a guy. He's a good wrestler. He's got a cool gimmick. But he doesn't stand out like you would hope that someone like him would stand out or that you would expect him to stand out when, when they when they signed him. I, I think he can certainly be doing uh, more than there. Like the, the Walter stuff seemed like it was going to be good, but then he got hurt. And I, I think the injury is 
you know how WWE is with that stuff. Like if you get hurt, you're just you get knocked down a peg. And it almost feels like that happened with Kushida is he got hurt and they were like, all right, we don't know if we can trust you right now. So we got to, we got to knock you down a peg and now you got to prove that you can stay healthy and maybe we'll give you that roll back. And I, I hope that didn't happen to Kushida, but that that's what it feels like. I think that's kind of a fair assumption. Cause that is kind of how WWE works. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's just kind of disappointing and, I think it's just because I watched so many years of great Kushida matches and I was like, I was really hoping he'd come in and be a player and work because there's so many guys he can work with and have great matches with and do cool stuff with. And, you know, and again, I'm not trying to knock Cameron Grimes. I like Cameron Grimes as well, but it's just like, you know, if, if you told me like when you signed Kushida, like the biggest thing he's really going to do is close out the year feuding with Trevor Lee. I would have thought, okay, well, those will probably be cool matches, but is that it? And that's kind of the feeling I have. I mean, they're cool matches. It was really good. I enjoyed it. But I just think uh, Kishida's a guy you should do more with. So, uh, so again, nothing against young Cameron there. He, he They had a very good match. I liked it. So we will move on. Io Shirai defeated <clears throat> excuse me, Santana Garrett in a very solid four-minute match. Obviously the right winner, and the good news was Santana Garrett looked a lot better here than she did in her NXT debut against Tynara, which was not good at all. Yeah, I don't think Santana Garrett is is bad. She's certainly been around for a little while, um, and yeah, yeah, I mean EO is, is certainly much better than Tynara as well. So uh, they they had a fine little what was it four minutes? They had yeah, fine four little minutes four minutes. Yeah, no complaints here. Now, EO basically destroying people with ease is always good. Yeah. Got a Worlds Collide video package, which led us to a Worlds Collide preview match. Pete Dunne defeating Travis Banks, 1055 via pin. Jeremy, your thoughts? I like this match. Um, Travis Banks has been pretty impressive in his uh, couple of NXT matches here. So I, I think he seems better off in NXT than he does in NXT. I don't know what he was doing in NXT UK, but it's doing well in NXT. And I like Pete Dunne. I I, I just don't know what they're doing with Pete Dunne yeah, right now. One, yeah, yeah it's, it's just, okay, where where are you going with Pete Dunne? And so I guess I guess we'll, we'll find out. But they had, a good, they had a good match. I didn't have an issue with it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun and served as a nice preview for Worlds Collide. And uh, Banks got to look really good before losing to Pete. So um, that was that's always a positive. I mean, it's fine if you're going to lose, but you know you don't have to look like a total Jay Brown, which he didn't. So I appreciate that. I'm interested in what they're going to do with Worlds Collide. Like, are they doing champions versus champions matches? Like, how's how's this going to work? I don't know if that's the smartest call. If that's what they want to do, I hope not. I hope they try to make it feel kind of different than like, like a bootleg Survivor Series, I guess, for lack of a better term. You know? Yeah, yeah, a bootleg Survivor Series is a is exactly what it would come off brand supremacy. And I, I mean, so far we're we're still we got like three four weeks before um, the 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 event can really uh, or before the event happens. Like at least so far, they haven't really hit you with the the brand supremacy nonsense for for worlds collide and hopefully again they they don't do it because i think the issue with that is 
you know, okay, if you're doing Adam Cole and Walter, like one, you're building it in three weeks, and two, like Adam Cole has so much going on right now that like it, it just seems very short sighted to just do this match on like three weeks build just because you're doing a world's collide pay-per-view like give me walter against uh um like damian priest or somebody you know damian priest is an nxt guy give me adam cole against i don't fucking watch nxt uk i get tyler Bate though give me adam cole and tyler Bate. damn it yeah or i mean if you want to avoid doing the straight up uh champion versus champion give me undisputed era versus imperium sure I'd be, I'd yeah, be fine just, with that. Yeah, you could, there's a lot of stuff you could do. And hopefully they, uh, hopefully it gets planned out well. And we, and like we kind of joked about, we don't get bootleg Survivor Series. Yeah. Because there is definitely a lot of talent to use on both shows. Uh, Kathy Kelly interviewed Dakota Kai about Mia Yim putting her through a table last week. Dakota basically said she didn't care because all that matters is that she won the match and that she's going to be coming for the NXT Women's Championship. Short and I sweet. I like Hill. I like Hale Dakota Kai. Oh, she's great. They announced for next week on Christmas, Roderick Strong. Uh, they're going to be taping stuff for this, obviously. Roderick Strong it, it will issue an open challenge, and then we get Leo Rush and Keith Lee versus Tony Nese and Damian Priest. Um, Sure. I mean, it's inconsequential stuff that no one's going to watch. And it should be good because Leo and uh, Keith Lee are really great and Damian Priest is really good. And Tony Nese is a good worker, although pairing him with Damian Priest seems really weird, but all right. Yeah, I'm not saying these matches are bad or, or anything, but I'm pretty sure they know like no one's watching this show. Yeah, pretty much. And that led us to the big main event of the evening, Jeremy. Yeah. Champion Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley defeated champion Shayna Baszler 20 minutes and 50 seconds via pin, sir. I will go to you first for your thoughts. As she should have. This, look, this match felt huge. It felt like the the biggest match NXT has done in a while, honestly. Like, the, the last takeover was War Games, and okay, those matches felt fairly big, but it, I... Did, there was something different about this match, and they did a great, great job promoting this too. Like last week, doing the the little video packages, uh, they they did the prime target special um, on Tuesday. Like they they made this feel huge. They didn't, as we talked about, like try to stretch this out till February and do it at the the takeover event. They were like, nope, we we've got this hot uh, angle right now. We're we're not gonna try to stretch it. We're we're just gonna give it to you right now. We're gonna build it like a fight and and that's what it felt like. And they delivered. Like I didn't really have a doubt that they would deliver. Shayna Baszler, you can criticize her title reign for for going too long and stuff. She's put on some good matches. The issue with some of her matches is either people didn't buy the challengers or they were just upset that she ended up winning at the end, and so they just didn't like the match because she won. And, and Rhea Ripley, like they bought her as a challenger, obviously. And so, like, that was never an issue going into it. Like, both of them are good workers. They had a fantastic match, and, like, Rhea Ripley winning, it was the right call. And I, I love everything about this. The, this was this whole feud, start to finish, culminating with this, just awesome. Yeah, the Ripley win was not only the right call, but it came at the right time. 
She was hot coming out of Survivor Series week. And there you wouldn't want to, nor could you properly hold this off until the February takeover. You would have lost everything coming out of Survivor Series with that. The match was great. I thought Shayna was a tremendous hateable heel during this. I thought Rhea Ripley played, played a, a strong but resilient babyface that overcame in the end. They had a great match. It was a great performance by both women. Rhea is such a fucking star, and as predicted, and we talked about for two, three weeks going into this, this got over huge and full sale. They did like a big post-match mosh pit celebration. Rhea on people's shoulders being heralded as like the biggest star in NXT. And it fucking worked on every level. The the other thing with Shayna is like, yeah, she came off as a hateable heel, but then she also like like just the opening sequence where like Shayna backed off. And like when do you see Shayna back off? Like you know, when Rhea made her NXT debut, when, you know, Shayna's running down, she's beating everybody, and then Rhea comes out, and this was like, okay, it's Rhea, like she's kind of been a bully in NXT UK. You know, is she a babyface? Is she a heel? And but like she stepped to Shayna, and it's like, oh shit, yeah, Rhea Ripley can like step to Shayna. And Shayna like showed that proper respect of like, all right, they, like Candice LeRae, uh, even Mia Yim, like I'm not scared of these women. This Rhea Ripley chick, she's a fucking badass. I'm a little bit scared of her. I'm gonna need to use some tactics that maybe I don't have to, didn't have to use in previous matches to to beat this woman. Uh, and like that's that's what she did, and like everything about this was so good. I love this match. Yeah, it was fucking great. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the right call. And we harp on companies not making the right call in terms of title changes and stuff at the right time. But uh, kudos to NXT. They did not fuck around. They did the right thing. And they got a great moment out of it. Yeah, uh, the post-match celebration type thing was cool as well. It came off off well and the crowd was going crazy and... Again, I I think this loved everything about this. All right. So that is going to lead us to our big head-to-head comparison for the week, Jeremy. Do you want to go first or show I? I mean, I can. I thought NXT was was better this week and this was a week where it didn't feel close. It was uh it, it's always relatively close cuz AEW is rarely a bad show, but this is a week where NXT had the the two best matches with the the two title matches and I think and even like the the Kushida Cameron Grimes match was on the level of just about anything or just about just about everything on Dynamite and as far as segments go like Dynamite didn't have a a truly great segment that really stood out they had some okay stuff and, and NXT was like almost strictly uh wrestling as well like if you're just talking segments then i think the gargano segment is where you would lean towards and that was better than any of the segments on on dynamite to me it was certainly better than the the closing dark order segment uh the the jericho stuff was good but i like the gargano return better I, again this week didn't seem particularly close to me yeah i thought dynamite was uh uh, it was a good, very good show with a lot of good wrestling. They advanced the possible page heel turn, Omega versus Pac. Cody got some revenge. Jericho was helping to make Jungle Boy. 
Uh, Riho got a contender. The Lucha Bros got a big win. And then you had the big Dark Order angle to close the show. And your mileage is obviously going to vary on that. Because I, I saw people that liked it. And then, I, like us, it just we didn't think it worked. But to me, what I feel that it was a show that could have been and should have been a lot better. Because I think you needed to cut a match or some stuff out of this. Because while... Okay. It feels rushed at times almost like there's no time for certain things to breathe and it's a double-edged sword because the crowd was hot and there was there's a great feeling of excitement during the show and urgency as well and that helps it fly by and I greatly appreciate that but on the other side I also think that you have to allow angles and results time you have to let those things have a little bit of time to settle in and register with fans so it was a good show again this week it flew by um, NXT, I thought was very good to, gr- right, I thought it was great actually. Um, you had a great opener. You continue Balor and Gargano. The middle portion this week was exceptionally strong, especially as compared to last week where it felt like there was a lot of filler, which kind of took me out of last week's show. Uh, and then you had a great main event with the right winner and a really tremendous and really special feeling closing moment for Rhea Ripley. Who, again, is just... She's such a star. So, uh, I also go NXT this week. And, uh, yeah, pretty easily. Who's going to win the ratings? Uh, it's been close lately and stuff. And NXT's had the... You know, they had the advantage of the two title matches and stuff. And, um, you know, no offense. I mean, I like the Young Bucks and stuff. But, uh, Balor and... Um, Cole and then the uh, the Rhea Ripley match just felt like bigger deals overall. I will not be surprised if uh, NXT wins and possibly by a decently healthy margin. Here's why I'm picking AEW, and it's two reasons. All right, sh- first hit me. one hit me. First one is NXT hasn't beaten AEW unless it, you know they tied last week, and I think that was a, a very good sign for and way the viewership, I, I should say. I'm not sure NXT is is catching AEW in the 18 to the 48 demographic right now, um, but but viewership because it seems like that's what everyone wants to to focus on. One, they they haven't beaten them unless it was you know they had the WWE superstars. And then they had the the Thanksgiving thing, and then last week it was a tie. So they they just haven't NXT hasn't proven that they can win, um, like under normal circumstances. So so that's my my one reason. My second one is the impeachment stuff. The old people are going to be watching the shit oh. out of all the impeachment stuff, and the younger people aren't going to care as much. They might follow it on Twitter or something, but they're, they're going to have wrestling on. So I I think the, the impeachment, uh, fallout and verdict with Trump actually hurts NXT more because their, their demographic does skew older and the older people are more likely to have on Fox news or CNN or, or whatever. And so, yeah, that, that's my, my big, because I think, like I think the impeachment fallout stuff is is going to crush both of these companies um, in, in the in the ratings, and you know that means it will do well in eighteen to to forty nine as well because that's that's where it's uh, listed as. But I, I think that overall hurts NXT more because the older people are going to care about that more. 
That's a great point. I wasn't even thinking about that tonight. I wasn't thinking about the other competition. So, yeah, um, well, that's going to really make for interesting numbers then probably. I'm, I'm really curious now to see how it uh, shakes out tomorrow. I, yeah, I mean, once I, I, you know, I tweeted it and that the impeachment stuff is, is gonna, it's gonna hurt both, both companies. And, but I think it hurts NXT slightly more. And that's why I'm leaning towards AEW. But I, I think, I think the viewership for this week isn't going to be great because this is a big deal. Uh, the yeah. president got impeached. Like this is a, it's it, people are going to finally learn what impeach means. He's not out of office. He's still in office. It's, it's just a, a mark against him. Um, but it's still, it's still a very big deal. And I would imagine it got, it, you know, like when W when raw has to go up against debates or, or anything like that, like it typically gets slaughtered on those nights, even like the presidential address, like it'll get slaughtered on that night. And, this is just as big of a deal as as a debate or or an address, and I think I think both of these companies are, are not going to fare too well. That's a good point, man. I was not even thinking about that. So yeah, um, really interesting. Get out of your numbers. wrestling bubble, Larry. Well, I was busy. I was trying to like <laughs> eat dinner with my family before I had to review four hours of shows and then talk with you for two hours. Get out of your bubble, buddy. There's there's real world politics going on. Yeah, well. I know there's real world politics going on because it's been fucking ruining my soap opera watching. Yeah, I hear you. So, well, Jeremy, that is going to wrap us up for tonight. Then, um, there will be a show next week. We're not recording Wednesday night, but uh, I have plans to record some stuff hopefully this weekend. So we should have a show up next Wednesday. So I want to thank everybody for listening. This has been the four one one on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Google Play, YouTube, 411mania.com, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the app of your choice. Until next time, we will talk to you then.